Welcome to The Ground Beneath Grace. My name is Jonathan Thomas, and I'm pastor at Pacific Crest Church, and I'm here with... Joey Walter, who is not a pastor. No, but he is an author, Mm. right? Yes, I guess you could say that. What's the name of the book? Self-published. God's Door is Always Open. It is on Amazon. Uh, No plug for the book at all, but... But you should buy it anyway. It did happen. It did happen. Plenty did. of good copies still available. Great copies. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. It's why Joey and I, um, this idea of being a podcast, this is probably our real first go at this. And we're people who we just got together and we said, hey, we have some questions and we want to talk about what this ground beneath grace is. I mean, it's almost in a way a rubber hits the road type thing. But we've worked on it and we've even had some help. But this is kind of the statement that we're, we are in right now. And it's like sometimes I have a hard time believing in God. Mm-hmm. And it's the confession that so many of us have. Even if we know God is real, doubts creep in. Where is he uh, when we're hurting? Why are we afraid when we feel alone? So we just are saying, hey, join us. I'm Jonathan, and this is Joey. And we want to talk about this each week, revisit the narrative of Jesus discerning and discussing how to understand Jesus and his help for us to give us a grasp of the identity of God. And so we're taking an honest look at our questions and challenges. Um, and we believe that Jesus came so that we could live life to the full. And today we're really wrestling because we've had a loss and a tragic loss in our community. And, uh, we'll probably discuss that later, but you know, Joey, it's, it's again, it's, this is the the point here. Sometimes I have a hard time believing in God. And, and I think maybe I'll just start with that. It's just a few years ago, having a conversation with my son, we, uh, we had loss in our family. We're wrestling with that already. And and in my life, as a uh, had done youth ministry for many years, we stepped away from a traditional church setting. We we were not in that any longer, and we thought we were going to be doing something new. But truthfully, it looked kind of old. It looked like some of the stuff that we had done, and so we're dealing with loss. And we actually then just learned that my wife's brother had uh, been diagnosed with cancer, and so my boys were having a a fight like boys do and it, it was a lego fight so one of them took one of the lego creations and smashed it on the ground so the other one retaliated and they smashed the other lego creation on the ground and if you know kids the younger one screams and cries louder than the older one sure so i went to my oldest son and sat him on his bed and it's this time to talk through this moment you know, I'm, I got the answers. I'm the minister. I'm supposed to know. And in youth ministry, who better than to help youth of my youth? It's the youth dad. And I let him sit there for a moment and his head was down. And I said, Caleb, tell me what, what's wrong? Not, not really any answer. And I had already conceived and put in my mind this great story of like, if this is about Legos, we rebuild Legos and God's about rebuilding and we learn even better, maybe something new or more stable. So I had that all figured out, ready to go. 
And he looks up at me and then he said, Pop, sometimes I have a hard time believing in God. And now we had just sort of stepped away and to take a risk to serve God in a new way and to ask new questions. And again, with this very familiar traditional way. And I was super panicked at that moment because I felt like, oh, no, we, we took a risk to step away from the comfortable. And the first thing is that my kid has a hard time believing like he's going to miss this whole thing or I've, I've driven us off a cliff. That's it was panicked in my mind. And I'm like, see, God, this was a really bad idea for us to leave what was familiar and step out to to ask these questions, because now my son already doubts you. I should have never have stepped away from what was comfortable. And in that moment, it was it was if God was just really speaking and I heard and it wasn't audible. I don't you know, I was like, hello. It was just this statement, God saying, you know, sometimes you have a hard time believing in me, too. And I don't know that I ever really came to that conclusion before, because like I'm the minister, I don't have a hard time believing in God. But here we felt called out or stepping out. And the first sign of of my fear, I, I didn't believe that God was up to something. And I I now, after all of these years, believe that he is. But I still say I have a hard time believing in God. And we wanted to talk today. I guess I've done most of the talking, but, you know, there's a story of this woman in Samaria, this woman at a well. And I've looked at her story and and maybe, you know, we could read through this. Um, because I see someone who's really tired. I see someone who is an oppressed person, um, a, a woman who is living in shame, uh, a person who is day in, day out, same rhythm. Uh, if this is true, probably it wasn't early in the morning. She went at a time where other people were not there so she could have her solitude, whether that was for her own mental health or just to not be mocked by the community. But on this day, she meets Jesus. And so I thought we could just read through this, uh, you know, if you'd like to. And I think we should just stop and where we get to the point and go, hey, I have a question about that. Sure. Yeah, this is definitely a passage that has always been interesting to me in terms of the things that are going on. To Like you said, she comes to the well, the, the background of this woman to me speaks pain. She's been through a lot uh, in her life. We don't know how old she is, uh, but just the things that she's gone through. Yeah. Like you said, I think she went for solitude and almost seemed frustrated with Jesus that he was even talking to her. And so, right. um, so this is John uh, chapter four and starts in verse three. No, I'm sorry. It's John four chapter um, verse one. You don't have to edit that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. I'm reading from the, uh, the NIV or new international, new international version. And, uh, it starts, uh, John chapter four, verse one, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. 
So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. hope I said that right. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Okay, now i got to go there. Okay. And it <laughs> says the sixth hour. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's the sixth hour. So if, if that were 6 a.m., right. you know, you add that, right, noon, so the right. hot part of the day. Sure them so it couldn't have been super convenient for her so in some way maybe she was hiding but i love the what john reminds us of is that jesus was weary mm-hmm. from his journey right and you know why do you think john puts such emphasis on this physical jesus this human jesus that he is human and to me yeah that he is human um, that he's tired, that he could be cranky as well. Maybe hangry. Hangry. Since they went to get, <laughs> like, since his disciples had gone into town to, to buy food. So yes, this seems, to me, it seems like the well is, is outside of town um, where, the, where the town is some distance away where they went to buy food. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, weary. And so he sees this lady. He had to know that she was not like, quote, unquote, the right type of person to talk to. And he says, give me a drink. It's quite demanding. Maybe they did that in those times. Have you ever just gone up to a stranger and said, hey, woman, give me a drink. I don't know. That doesn't say woman, but a woman, that would get you in big trouble today. Absolutely. Um, But here he is. He's weary from this. It's hot. It's the middle of the afternoon, I would imagine. And this person that he shouldn't even be talking to, he's now asking for a drink. And, And so she goes on and you know, uh, says, Hey, you don't even have a cup. So I just, the humanity of Jesus, I never really consider him too many times weary from his travels. Right. And I think another interesting point is that it's a woman. Okay. And like you said, it's this particular woman who has been through, which we'll get into in a second, who has been through a lot of things in her life. Okay. Um, but to me, that's one of the most interesting things about the passage is that he chose this woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, you know, obviously, and in, in some of the other things that we'll, I think we'll talk about in future episodes, hopefully, is that uh, that Jesus appears to women. Um, specifically, he ministers to women back then at a time when that – and it even says that, you know, he says, why are you speaking to me? Yeah. Um, but even at a, back in this time when that just was absolutely unheard of. And I, I, just, I think that's interesting as well. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. Because then I'm thinking to myself, you know, who would I not associate with today? Right. And we don't like to think that there's not somebody that we wouldn't associate with. But pretty much. We are human and we've got blood pulsing through our veins. And so we're prejudiced. Sure. We do have certain prejudi- prejudices. This is one of those where you need the little pop filter in the front of the microphone with all those S's and P's. <laughs> but I ask myself, no, I would never, you know, not see somebody and give them 
dignity. Right. And I do believe that that is something very godly that he gives dignity to someone who their culture and their time, their Jew versus Samaritan, these were considered half breed people, not worthy, unclean. And this is a moment where Jesus empowers this woman uh, by allowing her to give generosity to him. Right. And so I, that's, that's pretty cool. I think Jesus is up to something and it's probably should be copied a lot. <laughs> exactly. So verse 10, uh, it continues, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that ask you for a drink, you would have, would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is uh, deep. Where can you get this living water? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was going to stop anyway. <laughs> this the is, living water, the metaphor. Yes. Right, right. This is the point where all of a sudden I go, um, this lady's still pulling water up out of the well. I, right. I get this visual in my head. And so this is the sarcasm from her response. She already knows mm-hmm. it's a tense moment. She already knows this is awkward. Mm-hmm. Even though Jesus is up to something, right? He, he really didn't need a drink of water, I don't think. Well, he did. He was weary from it. He could have opened a rock up by himself and sure. he could have got his own could water. Could have done his own right. But he doesn't. He steps into this empowering moment of generosity from this lady. But I still sense she's doubtful mm-hmm. and sarcastic. So mm-hmm. she's pulling water up out and she's like, um, sir, duh, you have nothing to draw the water with. And it's deep, you know, and she's got the water. She's pulling it up and she's like, continues on because she doesn't have a lot of time. Right. I just imagine that, but she's pulling this up. So where, where do you get this living water? Right. And what is living water? Yeah. Right. right. I imagine that it's very hot. She's frustrated. She comes at a time, like you said earlier, she comes at a time where she wants to be alone and not bothered. And we'll get into later on here. Another man is bothering her. Exactly. And she's frustrated with that. And yeah, and what are you talking about? This living water. Yeah. And then, so in that point too, it's, I, I, I'm just taking a side note that sometimes when God is talking to us, um, we're probably sarcastic too. Oh, sure. And he lets her, Jesus lets her, she continues on. She's like, are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us as well to drink from himself. Right. You know, so she's like still pulling water up, mm-hmm. you know, who are you? Um, so I just love that moment. Jesus lets that moment happen. Right. And it's okay for her to be frustrated. Yeah. And he, and so she's hot. She's doubtful. She's sarcastic. And Jesus doesn't give up on her and say, okay. well, you know what? Fine. Fine. I'll take my living water somewhere else. Right. Doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Even though she's like, are you greater than, than our father, Jacob? He's like, yeah, I am. I'm going to get to that point there. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yes. Right. So anyway, so I see that. I just want to stop and recognize, man, if you are sarcastic to God, you're fitting into this story somewhere, fitting in right now. All right, so uh, verse 13. Okay. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water in the heat of the day. Yeah, right. Uh, then verse 16. Oh, right. So Sorry, like, yeah, she's still not getting it. She's still right. frustrated here. Where is this living water? And that would be very convenient to me. Indoor plumbing. Indoor plumbing, running water. Jesus knew. No heat. Yes. Jesus knew there would be indoor plumbing one day. I'm sure he did. Um, So then this is like Jesus is about to bring this whole thing. Together. To the reality. You know, he's living in it. He's allowing it to happen. But he's about, I think, right here, just, again, she's still sarcastic. She's still asking, are you great? She has these doubts. And then... I just want to make sure we still can be sarcastic here, okay? Because I am. And then verse 16. The big, here comes the teaching moment. Yeah. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Yeah, so... Yeah. I just am wondering now, she's not pulling the water up anymore. Probably not. It's probably falling back down. She stopped. Jaw has dropped. Right. And this, I've always thought about this. Was this publicly known or was this a secret? Was it one of those we know, but nobody talks about it? Um, Or maybe people did know about the five others, but did anybody know about the one she was with right now? Somewhere though, this is a hidden place mm. and Jesus knows the hidden place and it's ugly. Right. It's not the way that God intended for her life to be, for her to be loved in the, the, the concept of creation. It was, you know, this, this beautiful story in relationship, one and one, two people becoming one. And here, it's kind of a wreck. And so I thought in past, maybe everybody knows her story, but maybe they do, but I don't know if they know about this one and she's still caught in this garbage. And Jesus goes, yeah, those other ones, but the one you're living with now, this secret, I know it's Jesus as a God who sees us Mm -hmm. and knows that space. So that, that really strikes me when I think I've got like, oh, everybody kind of knows my background, but I still have something that I'm not willing to share. But God knows that. Right. He shouldn't know that. I mean, other than him being God. But right. it says that they had been traveling and he comes to this town. He's weary. He wants a drink. So he, if he's a normal person, he wouldn't know this. Right. But that's when he reveals himself to her that, yes, I know your history. I know your background. I know you've been married five times. That's okay with me. Um, I'm still here right? communicating with you, not even uh, Jew and, and Samaritan. I mean, even that divide as well. Right. The whole thing doesn't make sense in those times, the way I interpret it. But here he is, and sarcasm aside from right. her, he's still there for her. He's still ministering to her, and he's really kind of showed – I mean, he's showing who he is, that right. he loves her no matter what, even though, you know, she probably didn't get her water. Right. I think it's, he's got her attention now. Exactly. That's what I think. So. Right. 
Okay, so it's uh, verse 19, I think. Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're our prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are in kind, are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now that's that's a, a boatload right there. That's a lot. So she's basically acknowledging, okay, you've got my attention. I think you're a prophet. So now I want you to know I'm mindful of God things. I'm I'm mindful that maybe my life is messed up, but all of a sudden I was like, where do I worship? Do I worship here or do I worship there? And this is a person who I think is wanting to have the conversation and maybe nobody's ever had it with her before. She wasn't allowed to go to where they're supposed to have this conversation. Obviously not in Jerusalem because that's where you say, but we say it's here. So she wants to have this entering into this relationship, this conversation by acknowledging Jesus. And so I just, I'm really caught your translation. The NIV um, says a little bit of different about the, the, uh, worship time um mine here let me try to find it it says um in verse 23 but the hour is coming and is now here this is the english standard version when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him it's not too far but i just that's catches me Mm -hmm. the father is seeking people to worship him. And this is almost kind of like that moment. This is Jesus is seeking this. He's looking into the lost. He's looking into the broken. God is going to find people who are weary and downcast or saying, you know, I have a hard time believing in you, God. Right. You know, if you had done whatever, or in our moment here today, try to make sense out of the tragedy that we've experienced today. And But God is a seeking God, looking for people to worship, not in a location, but in spirit and in truth. And those are two, I think, revolutionary words to not only the time and culture then, but I think even to our time today. Right. Um, worship in spirit and truth. Is that in a podcast, driving your car for an hour in L.A. traffic or whatever it might be, wherever someone is, which tests the values of our moral and ethic (laughs) choice uh, there. So I think the passage there too, I think, you know, and I think I said this in the last time, but we're seeing to me, we're seeing who Jesus is. Okay. He has come and he's turned things, a lot of things upside down in these old views, whether it's Samaritans uh, in this passage, but you know, or Jews, whatever, but he's looking at things. He's 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 changing things. the The old way is no more. He has come to save us, and he again he's showing who he is, and he does in the, mm-hmm. the last two verses as well. Uh, so, verse twenty five. The woman said, "I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us." 
in verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So definitely if she hadn't before, she's definitely dropped the pail of water back into the well um, before she, to me, she runs off and tells everybody about Jesus in the rest of the chapter. But again, to me, it's Jesus showing who who he is to her. The interesting thing for me is that he chose her. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, being married five times is a lot, even in today's times. So I can imagine with how that was portrayed back then. I can imagine that that was really, really a big deal. Like you said, whether or not the town knew it, I'm assuming they did. Um, if Jesus wasn't Jesus, he would have no reason to know that because he was traveling into this town. But even. Uh, even so, he's speaking to her. He's ministering to her. He's showing who he is to her. And I, I think that's just a great example of, of who he is and the love that he shows. Right. And I, I look at this, too, and I'm trying to learn and see the progress of it going. And in our story is, yeah, sometimes we start at this level and we're pretty skeptical, but Jesus doesn't give up and he's there. And even we're skeptical or sarcastic Sarcasm and he's still sad. there. But finally, we get to the point where... We start saying, yeah, I'm going to ask these questions. And she does. And it gets to the point where I know I've heard this. This is familiar. I mean, I think something is up. I believe there's more to life than just this. So I've got questions that there's supposed to be something right. And Jesus, again, he's still there. He's still there. And then finally at the end, she's like, and I've heard about this story of God. And that one day this would come to who we were as people and Jesus goes, yeah, that is now I'm right here. And I, I think that's very familiar for folks. I think there are probably a lot of stories out there where all of a sudden it's like we get to the point where God meets us today. Mm-hmm. Um, even in spite of our secrets, our background mess, our sarcasm, there comes a point where we have to come to this face to face and ask, aren't you, we've heard this and, and, and to hear God say, yeah, it's me. I'm right here. Right. Um, she does run away. I'll just kind of go off on that. And, uh, the disciples came, they were really kind of <laughs> caught. They were caught off guard. They came back. They, it says my version in the English standard says they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but nobody said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? And the woman left her water jar. There you go. she must've dropped it and went away to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And then they went out of the town and they came to where he was. So, I mean, awkward. There's, there's a man talking to this woman. Right. You know, look at that. So then they didn't go, oh, here's a lady. Can we get some water too? They just went, "Mm, probably shouldn't be talking to her if you are good, Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you want to be like Jesus, you probably shouldn't be talking to her, Jesus. You know, (laughs) (laughs) don't we do that? If you want to be like Jesus, you probably shouldn't be talking to the people that Jesus probably talked to. Uh Yeah, I don't think that's... (laughs) That's not how I see it. No. <laughs> I think I heard that one one time in a sermon. I'm not sure. But but here, here, I think when we find ourselves in this situation, 
I think we're successful when people wonder why we're talking or why we're going into the places that we go with people's lives. Jesus sent people to go bring good news. You know, we need to take some risks in our story. If, if this narrative is the one that I believe that it is, it calls us into some very uncomfortable places and doing some very uncomfortable things like drinking from someone else's cup, Mm -hmm. but then also staying there long enough to really get to the heart of this matter. And Jesus stays there. That's amazing to me. And even when other people would come along and doubt that Jesus still sits there and she runs away, but he's still there. And now he uses this for time with his disciples, but I'd like to, kind of a men, that's a whole nother story I think we can go through. Um, I don't know. you have any thoughts on yeah, well, their the reaction there? The reaction to me I think is interesting in that he, so now he has everyone's attention because he's spoken to her individually. She's ran and told other people that people are coming out of the town to see him. And he's not saying, worship me, bow down to me. What he's saying is he's he's reaching out to people. He's not asking them to come, again, my interpretation, how he's not asking them to bow down to him. And then he's like, okay, y'all know who I am now. I'm on to the next town. It's um, like in verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Okay, so <laughs> in a metaphor, he's, He's trying to grow more people. He's trying to bring more people in, but he's he's doing it in a way where he, like you said, he's going to them. He's showing things about himself to prove that he who he is, but he's not asking them in a way, um, I don't know, in a maybe a superficial way to mm-hmm. this is this is who I am. Now you bow down. It's a, it's a teaching moment. It's a teaching moment to her and then to the other people in the town. Right. Um, like he said, I tell you, and then, uh, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So to me, he's saying, look at all these people who we need to bring into the kingdom and we need to teach. Right. Well, that, <clears throat> again, that part that, you know, kind of went over, there is this whole place where he's talking about, there's other things and he does talk about, there is a harvest right. that's ready. And I think he's saying, did you see that woman right there? She was about as ready as possible. And I guess my question is, do we look at people um, through this lens and think, man, there's a lot of people who are ready to drink from this cup that Jesus offers, this living water, but we come surprised or we think they have a past. Well, we should know everybody does, or there's some dark secret that they can't let go of. And then we, we don't even hang around through whatever garbage they're dealing with to get to the heart of the matter, to let them have the space, to let me have the space. I guess that's what it is. Like sometimes, yeah, I'm pretty frustrated and yeah, I do have a hard time believing in this. This is why we're having this. Cause I'm, today wrestling sure. through, I have questions and I don't have answers. And I'm wondering, how do I, how do I be strength in this moment right. when maybe the strength is to go, I have to be present here. I have to maybe work through these steps of really God, if this was the way that you're 
plan should be? Well, he has a plan. Sure. I interrupted a lot, but I've got to try to work through that to come to the point where I get to, if this was all going to be good, God, where is it? And he goes, it's right here. It's me. And look to me. That's what each one of us has to somehow resolve in our day to day. Even though we go, this is hard. And if we talk about wrestling and I bet we do a lot in this, we're wrestling with this, but Jesus is saying, look, I first off sent you out into a field to reap where you did not plant. You didn't sow this, but it's ready. So if you're in the harvest business or crops, I'm not a farmer. So what if you're in that business, when the harvest comes, you pick now you harvest now, you don't go like, Oh, I'm just going to wait another day or I'm going to do something. You got to get all that fruit and everything off. Cause it is ready to go. And, uh, this is important to me. Um, cause God's been up to something. It, it, I didn't start it. He did, but I definitely have a part in it. Um, I do. Uh, this last part here. So in verse 40, and uh, I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap this up here. 35 minutes. I think we're doing pretty good. Um, but in verse 40, let's see here. So this again is out of the English standard version. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed, not all, right? It doesn't say all of them. Right. Believe. Many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know this is indeed the savior of the world. Now, what did the Samaritan woman say to them? What was her testimony? That come see this man who knows everything I've ever done. Right. Which probably everybody knew everything that she had done. So, the thing that just strikes me is that you don't even have to have a good testimony like right. that elevator pitch or there's something it's just like, Hey, let me just tell you that God sees me in my garbage. And, and so this could be the one who changes everything. And and then that's all we have to do is just point people. It's Jesus. It's not me. And it's like I had, oh my goodness, you overcame some drug addiction or, oh my goodness, I wish I had as rough of a story as you so that I could really have a story of, of salvation. And I've, I've heard people like, man, I wish I was a crack addict so that I could have a good story of recovery and Jesus saving me. And it's like, that is, misses the point. It's not because of the testimony that you have. It is who Jesus is. It is his living water. I get so lost in that so many times. It's like, comparing even that you have a better sin than I do. And I wish that, but Jesus knows each of us in that one place that probably nobody else knows. And again, I look at this when we invite people to have that conversation, it's not really us. That's the conversation is Jesus. And I admit that I've tried to make the story about me. And I have, but I want to learn that my broken garbage testimony story 
the one that I have, the one that brought me to Jesus, the one that made me realize that he is the savior, that he's the one who rescues, that then that's the Jesus I point to. And then other people come along and they go, I don't, you know, something you said, but now I know that Jesus meets me here and he is living water so that I don't have to thirst anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to get to. And what is that? authentic place that's deep down that Jesus knows that I can maybe share. It doesn't sound great. It's not glorious, but what we're really doing is pointing to Jesus. Yeah, exactly. I think it's all about, I mean, you know, you talk about other people and bringing them, I mean, finding common ground, maybe it's not a certain scripture for them. Maybe it is something that, but an example of, Hey, this person went through that. And if they still believe, then maybe I should give this a shot too. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should, maybe I'll start. There's a starting point for everyone. And, you know, for me, it's, it's always been in my life, you know, um, raised in the church, very thankful for that. But, you know, even going to talking about like with your son and, and having questions, I've been through that. It comes in, um, <laughs> you know, they say the Lord works in mysterious ways and to me, so does the devil. And, um, there's, there's trials and tribulations that we've all gone through. You know, I had a, a situation with my dad who, uh, passed away from Alzheimer's and, um, suffered for many, many years for it. And so that, you know, there was a period of time where I questioned, um, why, why him? Why, why is he suffering? And, if you knew my dad, super active, um, was working many, many hours up until he was 67 years old when he retired, would work on the farm and then go work in a factory and get up and do it every day, you know, every day, didn't have a day Mm -hmm. off work seven days a week and, um, read the Bible every day. Um, to my knowledge, except for maybe (laughs) cussing when he hit his hand with a hammer or something like that, really didn't didn't send a lot that I saw. Right. You know? Um and so there was questions. Why is he suffering like this? This is the for him, this is the absolute being bedridden for years. This is the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen to him. And I think it's okay to question. I think it's okay to um to ask why think in the grand scheme of things it generally you know for me it actually I could think made my faith stronger in the long run but definitely was a question time where I just don't understand I don't understand why this man goes to church three days a week reads the Bible studies the Bible um, not a not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination had a temper um, you know he yeah it just wasn't perfect but why still why 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 is he he is my um hero in terms of just hero in general but who i look up to as a christian man you know someone who i look up to have all my life who stayed on the path uh to my knowledge never never strayed other than there's not no there's not a normal sin but um what i would i just had questions Right. And I think that's okay. I think it has to be. And too many times it probably 
somehow we've gotten this place where we don't ask questions or, you know, you just don't say that. And we know that that's, well, I guess I'm learning that that's not real. It's not relationship. It's not your identity. It's not mine. I mean, if you're in a relationship, you've got questions. If you've got frustrations, you've got joys and laughter. Um, sometimes you're like, why did you do that, honey? You know, that doesn't make sense. Um, there are frustrating things, but with God too, that's what I think this, this reality, again, it's not about how many times we go to church or how many times we read our Bible. I mean, God is up to something greater than just our location. You know, that's what he says, the spirit and truth. And so if we're doing this in spirit and we're doing it in truth, wanting to worship, I think we need to, in spirit and truth, ask the questions and say, God, I don't get this right now. Um, I guess the other flip side is, are we going to be patient enough to let his guiding, his promise, his story play out so that we can maybe get it or maybe not? I mean, I think some things we need to, oh, I need to resolve that. I need the answer for that. Maybe are the things that we don't really need in our lives. We're trying to substitute stuff. But if we are just saying, oh, it's God's will that your father just, you know, I experienced that. I think that's the lamest. Probably can't say it on this microphone <laughs> on this without mic- changing this to <laughs> the, an explicit, the, form, the format, explicit <laughs> format. So, um, so, but we're just keep it. That's the biggest load of crock, uh, ever. It's not God's will is not this suffering in this place. It's not keeping the darkest secrets buried in our lives. And so right now, you know, again, We've alluded to it a few times, but, you know, we did lose someone who lost their life to suicide. And I have questions because none of it makes sense. I know it won't. And we're sitting here kind of going, man, if though, if we, if we can just try to be honest like this woman, um, which is just a great story, but say, are you, are you greater than some of the other things? And come to the point where this could be living water. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, in our, in my darkness, you know, I've experienced this right now. I do, I'm, I'm looking for that living water. And just because of my hard times, I'm not going to give up on it. I appreciate this encouragement of talking and allowing this opportunity, maybe, Someone else is going, man, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm really having a hard time. And that's okay. And I think the biggest thing is you're not alone. Right. So, again, this is our podcast. I guess we'll end it there. And the ground beneath grace. And trying to think of, you know, a lot of people have this little image logo of what it is. And I'm, all I can think of is a foot about to step on the ground or something else. And uh, almost like this Monty Python foot coming from down below. But uh, and then I just kind of thought, and I, I'm thinking about image, but I just thought when I close my eyes and I think of the cross, in my life sometimes I've seen it as a far distant silhouette, too far to really see any details um you know the the image of the three crosses and there's a 
a hill, Golgotha. But thinking about this, I've closed my eyes and I've thought about the grace, the ground beneath grace. And I just got this image of like, what is it to be right at the foot of the cross? What is it to be on the dirt to just, that you're so close, the vantage point is that it's just wood you know, you're, you're right there. It's, it's where that cross hits the hole in the ground. And I'm looking at this point and trying to make sense of it. And I've got to look up and see that God loves me, that Jesus died for me and that I have hope in this resurrection story, this redemptive story. So thank you, Joey author of God's Door is Still Open, co-written by Wade Poe. Just give a little shout out there. And I'm Jonathan Thomas, and this has been a lot of fun. So we're not sure where we're going to go next, but we invite you to come along and join us. Thanks for taking time out of your day.